Occasionally, myself and our coaching staff at DadStartingOver.com, we run into a client who has issues that go beyond the scope of coaching. They may have really severe anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, and this is the point where our coaches stop and say, have you spoken to a therapist? What a lot of these men say is, I've looked into it, not a lot of options in my area, it can't work with my schedule, or I have an appointment schedule, but I can't get in for another four months. In other words, the need is there. They recognize the need. They see the value in the therapy, but the options for getting the therapy are extremely limited in their area. Well, thanks to our friends at BetterHelp.com, there is an option for you. BetterHelp is a unique service that allows you to talk to a licensed therapist from your area via your telephone or your computer. You can do voice chat with them if you wish. You can email back and forth. You can text with them all on your time schedule, all from the convenience of your phone or your computer. So check it out at betterhelp.com DSO. That's betterhelp.com DSO and get 10% off your first month of service with BetterHelp. DSO here, and welcome back to another episode of the Dad Starting Over podcast. And with me today is a gentleman that many of you will know, or know of, I should say, especially guys that are in the DSO fraternity group. Um, he is a dude with probably the coolest name in the business, and uh, author of a very popular book that you may have heard of called The Masculine in Relationship, A Blueprint for Inspiring the Trust, Lust, and Devotion of a Strong Woman. Now, that's a book title. I love it. No wonder it's popular. Welcome, Mr. G.S. Youngblood. How are you, sir? Thank you, my friend. It's good to be here. And yeah. I feel great. Well, good, good. Thank you for coming. Um, mm-hmm. I've had a several authors, popular folks on the group, and I say the same thing. How the hell I found you, let me tell you. Um, I have the group, mm-hmm. as you know, DSO Fraternity, and you probably know this better than mm-hmm. anyone. Guys that are in this state of flux, change, something happened, divorce, they suddenly had an awakening, I'm going to become this man that I always wanted to be, they don't just stop with reading G.S. Youngblood's book, or my book, or one other book, oh no, they keep going, and they build a library of books, and YouTube videos, and seminars, Mm -hmm. and all kinds, men love to learn, learn, and soak it all in, and keep probably a little bit too much so, if we're being honest. But I, I see the um, discussion forums in our group, and guys say, I've read the following 19 books. What's the next book I should read? And the number one book that comes up all the time is Masculine in Relationship. So kudos to you. You, you, did, you created an excellent product that all these guys are saying, stop what you're doing and read this thing. Mm-hmm. So what I thought would be nice is to understand what would be interesting is to learn how you got to this point, how you became the GS young blood that we all know. Um, yeah. the Genesis, the, the, the superhero origin story, what got to this point now, obviously I've read the book. Excellent. By the way, very well done, very well written. Um, but you allude to it at the beginning, you were married before and it didn't go so well. Mm-hmm. You want, maybe that's a good place to start. Say the least. 
Yeah, it's and of course, I love hearing that uh, men in your community are enjoying the book and are impacted by it. Hopefully it's helping their life. Um, my experience is that the reason that it touches so many people, the reason that it resonates for guys is because I've been there. I've been down that road and back. Um, it's it really my journey started with the end of a, of a 10 year marriage. And this was about 12 years ago. And it ended in a ball of flames. It ended in, in ways that were very, very painful for me. And I was unequipped or ill-equipped to, um, to handle the emotions of it back then. But I was clear that I, I, was, uh, I was very intent on finding out why things didn't work. I knew there had to be a better way because I didn't feel in my own power in this relationship. And I was, at the time, I was married to a very powerful woman. And so it was, it was challenging for me to feel in my power, to feel my own desires and directionality. And uh, a lot of that came because I didn't know about these dynamics, these dynamics of masculine and feminine and receptivity and directionality. And that is the, the path that I got on right after the divorce. And as, as I say, I think in pretty much every podcast I do, failure was my motivation. I was very motivated to find a different way. So for me, it started out with getting involved in what was called um, the authentic relating community, for lack of a better term. It was pretty, there was a pretty strong contingent of it here in San Francisco and studied with somebody who I consider to be brilliant, a guy named Decker Kunoff. And um, really that helped me get in touch with my emotions, even discover that I had emotions and learn how to relate in, in a way that was more real instead of uh, uh, something that was constructed or a facade to put on to kind of contain the emotions or realities that I felt inside of me. And that was great. That was great evolution for me. And I studied with Decker and, and others, of course, but in that community for about five years. And then for me personally, it started to feel like a lot of feelings and, and it, in the, in the sort of vernacular of masculine feminine energies, it was more in the feminine energy of feeling and relating and so I hungered for something more, something more, uh, I didn't know the word at the time, but something more masculine. And that's when my therapist gave me The Way of the Superior Man. And she said, read this. And um, it blew my mind. You know, David Data is the luminary in this field. Uh, and we're all, you know, connected to him in some way. And it really, his book really blew my mind. I didn't have any idea about this masculine feminine, but it really fit a lot of the dynamics that I saw in my own relationship and the ways that she was constantly dissatisfied and irritable. And what I, what I learned through starting with, starting with David and then going on with my teacher, John, um, I learned the ways that I wasn't leading. I learned the ways that I was not grounded and solid. I learned the ways that I didn't help her feel safe. And over the, over the years of both studying with guys like David Data and also being in a relationship with an extremely powerful woman uh, after the marriage, um, somebody who had a really strong feminine and a strong masculine at the same time, she got, she got both from each of her parents. And so really being in relationship and seeing what opened things up and seeing what shut down connection, what shut down uh, love, what shut down sexuality. I mean, it was a, it was a real life daily laboratory uh, being in relationship with this woman. And I, there's no past tense about it. I'm still in relationship with her. But it was, it was through my studies and then real life relationship with a very powerful woman that I really started to, to um, 
observe and codify these principles that you see in the book. And then after about five years of taking notes, I realized I had enough material that it could become a book. And so I wrote for several years after that. And, and the culmination of that is what you, you spoke about earlier. It's the book. It's everything that I've learned, usually the hard way. Um, and, but also by succeeding as well in real relationship. And that's my offering to the world. So that's, that's kind of what the story is that brings us to the present mm -hmm. day and what I'm out in the world. Doing. You know, there is a, um, uh, it's a relatively small contingent of men that I run into who read some of this stuff, like what I write and what you write and respond with a, well, duh, who doesn't know that? And I mm -hmm. always come back with, you'd be surprised that masculine, feminine, it's foreign like it was to you and like it was to me. It, it just, when we, it's like we go down a rabbit hole and when we're exposed to this information and, and men just eat it up, we just love it. Like, oh my goodness, I write in my book how men love repair manuals. Um, we're not so much with how to manuals. How to manuals. It's not so much of the let's explore feelings and so forth. It's just like the engine's broken. What do I, how do I fix it? What's the proper oil to put in? That didn't work. Let's try it again. Um, so when men see this, these nuggets of information is, um, holy crap, this is something that could fix what I'm experiencing now and prevent it from breaking in the future. They just jump right in completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, I constantly get that feedback that yeah. it, it, it's like, oh, and now you like, I read David data and it sounded cool, but I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I read your book and I knew more of what to do. And part of that is because everything I write about, I've been through it. You know, I've been yeah. through it either through my clients, but mostly firsthand in my mm -hmm. own life. So I, I've lived what I write about. So I, I have a compulsion to make it very practical. Uh, I know, um, my reason for lacking in that knowledge, the knowledge that a lot of men say, well, duh, going, rewinding the, the hands of time. Can you pinpoint what in your growing up in your adolescence or young adulthood, what was lacking there and that that required that you have this uh, epiphany later in life? So you asked me, I think what you asked me is what is it sort of in my past, probably more towards childhood that may have uh, led to the situation I was in my, in the marriage mm -hmm. that I referred to. Is that, is that the question? You got it. You got it. Yeah. I, I, very, very clear for me when I went to therapy after, after the marriage ended, I think I spent the first year telling the therapist, how great my childhood was <laughs> and how perfect it was. Mm -hmm. And then as we, as we went along and I brought up certain anecdotes, she was like, Whoa, wait a minute. What did you just say? And so there were some things that, um, not really through fault of my parents, but just things that arose. And I'll, I mean, I'll give you one of them. One is my, when I was born, my mother two, two weeks later was diagnosed with really late stage skin cancer, melanoma. Oh. Wow. And so she had to have a massive surgery two weeks after my birth to remove the, the cancerous tissue. And so she was laid up for four months, barely could, could get out of bed for that mm -hmm. time. And, you know, I had, a, I had a brother that was three years older at the time. <sighs> so of course I sat in my bouncy seat or crib and didn't get the attention because my dad's not going to be able to do everything, you know, support the family at work and care, cover for two boys. And so, yeah, of course I went wanting for, for that human touch of my mother who literally could not raise her arm. And so the wound that I've dealt with over the years is an abandonment wound, you mm -hmm. know? And so if my woman's 
moving back from me or shutting down because of her own emotions, that would really set off a threat state within me. So it took, it's taken me many years to come into relationship with that dynamic inside of me and the ways that I would compensate to, you know, to protect my, my psychology um, and the ways that those had uh, dysfunctional impact on my relationship. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was pretty, pretty clear. And, and I do this with my, with, I don't try to be a psychologist, but some of these things are pretty easy to spot. And so I, I go yeah. into childhood with my clients and really try to discover what some of those dynamics would be to help without over indexing on it, but to help inform kind of the, the things yeah. that we do. Yeah. And here's the last point I'll make. I, I, and I don't want to keep going on, but if you've got some habit and you're like, why do I keep doing that? I know I shouldn't do that, but I just keep doing it. It's probably childhood wound. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So just know that like we all have it. And if you just keep doing that stupid thing again and again, it means it's down below your nervous system and you need to work with somebody that understands how to get down to those, to those levels. You got it. And it always surprises me. Um, and you identified it yourself, how many men are completely ignorant of the fact that their childhood it lays the foundation for all this this future behavior and and and, yeah. and how they process things and, and how they cope. Um, you know, some men. So true. And I yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I just I say to those guys, guys, you've got a key to really unlocking something within you. So mm-hmm. don't 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 give us the ah, don't talk to me about that childhood shit. Yeah. Like actually, it's an opportunity for you to be more free, to be more powerful, to be more grounded, because you're going to free yourself from something that is controlling you, but you don't know it, and that's not strength. So, a person read your book. They which are you finding that people that read your book have gone through some type of a trauma within a relationship, and that has springboarded themselves into discovering this more masculine role. Like that's typically how people find me is via. Um, I discovered my wife had an affair, for example, or uh, my wife has asked for an open marriage or something that really strikes to the core of the, who they are as a man. And so they run out looking for answers and start Googling and Facebooking and everywhere else. Is that uh, similar to yours, your uh, customer base as well? It really is. And it, you know, the same was true for me in that marriage I talked about 12 years ago. Um, I, I had to encounter catastrophe in that relationship to actually woke up. And I, I, you know, I actually woke up in my mid thirties. Same. And same. I'm not sure. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not sure I would have woken up without the catastrophe. So there's a little bit of a blessing wrapped in with it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's, that's, um, it's pretty common. Guys come when they're, the pain is too great. We tolerate a lot of pain and we we just shut that shit down. Yep. And so we'll tolerate a lot, but it's usually her that wakes up first and says, this isn't, this is fucked. This is not good anymore. And we're not going to do this. And and then she either gets super irritable and close sexually chronically, or she steps out and has an affair or she becomes insulting and abusive. Like she's going to act up in some way mm-hmm. and she's just expressing the pain of us being asleep at the wheel in yeah. terms of leading the relationship. You know, that's, yeah. That's been my experience. When they're at their worst, it's usually because they're in response to our way of being, which mm-hmm. is great because it's not about blame. It's about it, this. Is, it makes you powerful because what that says is if you change your way of being, if you become a more grounded, directional, uh, leading man, 
she's going to change in response to your way of being changing. So mm-hmm. it, all the power is in the, in the hands of the guy who wants to really inhabit this masculine core. And the book is my offering of how guys can do that. One criticism that I get in my book, and I've seen some of the chatter within our group when talking about your book as well, similar criticisms, is that it mm-hmm. places a great deal of not the complete onus or responsibility for the tone of the relationship upon the shoulders of the man. And, um, I, myself in my book, I spell that out where I say, well, this is what's the problem more than likely it's you, which is good news. You have the, you cause this so you can probably fix it. But I'll tell you, GS, um, I've spoken to probably over a thousand men one-on-one now, and there have been quite a few men who've convinced me like, dude, it ain't all me. And I say, yeah, you're right. Because I hear some horror stories. Um, usually usually it's revolves around the woman's past. Um, women can bring some pretty serious baggage to a relationship much, much like the man can. And, uh, to to a lot of those men, they will rattle off. This is what I do. This is what I've been trying. And I've been at it for a year, two years. And I say, yeah, it's not all you. It's a dance. It takes two to tango here. And she's bringing an awful lot to the table unless she raises her hand and says, help. I need help with this. And she's willing to break down some of those walls and get help. It may be time to move on. Where do you find that distinction between, you know, yeah. where's yeah, where's the tipping point where it goes from, dude, come on to dude, you need to run for your life. Yeah. Two things come up for me. One of the quotes in the book is, is as follows. You may or may not be the problem, but you are the solution. So I think people's attention naturally goes to like, who's to blame? Who caused this? Who's the problem? And I say, don't even worry about that. It doesn't matter. You're the solution. So you tell yourself, I don't know what is happening here necessarily, but I'm going to lead us to a better place. That means I'm going to get more brave and and name the dysfunction. I'm going to start to actually share, you know, my interstate instead of withholding it. I'm going to stop getting defensive when she is upset at me. I'm going to reach, I'm going to do the research and find resources that we can tap into either, either as individuals or as a couple, um, that can actually help us in our relationship dysfunction. So, you may or may not be the problem, but you are the solution in, in this worldview that I have of, ma- of the masculine core. So I really want guys to get focused on less on the blame and more on who's going to step up. Because what guys do is we, we go into the blame game because we want to take the path of least resistance. So if we can tell ourselves it's her fault, then it's like it relieves us from the harder path, which is actually to take the lead, not take the blame but take the lead. And that's the distinction I want guys to really start to understand. Um, little boys wallow in blame and little boys wallow in whose fault it is and, and protecting themselves. Men step up and say, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to fix this. I'm going to do my damnedest. So that's the first thing that comes up for me when you, when you say that. And I'll pause if you want to comment on that before I make the second comment. But No, please go on. Okay. Yeah. And Women, the feminine is responsive. The masculine is directive. And so the reason I'm saying that is because her way of being is often more a response to our way of being. And so when we change, she'll change. And I think you already referred to this, like there's the power in that because now you actually don't have to sit around and wait or hope for her to be different. 
you actually be different. And then she's going to respond to that. And that's a, that's an age old dynamic. I've, I've rarely seen it to not be the case. And so that's, again, live the blueprint for about a year or two, like genuinely don't be like half-ass it and then say to yourself, Oh, I tried that because I have a lot of guys who say, I tried that. I tried that. And then I dig into how they did it. And I'm like, well, you didn't really try it. Mm-hmm. And what I say to guys is if you're thinking about leaving a relationship, you know, because you're like, this chick is crazy. Like she's got bipolar disorder or, you know, whatever. I say, look, that may be true, but it's probably more likely that she's responding to your way of being. So I want you to leave it all on the field, you know, to use a sports reference. I want you to actually bring this masculine blueprint for, a, you know, six months, a year, two years, where you really bring it. So it means you got to go and train in this first and really bring it and bring your best. If at that point she's not opening up, it, as you said, it may be time to leave. But until you bring your A game and leave it all on the field, it's premature. Yeah. Because I've seen way, way, way too many situations turn around. And I'll give you an example in a second. But I've seen the situations turn around when the guy changed. So given the pattern there, it, it, it's probably smarter to actually try to bring your A game for a while and then assess whether it's time to leave, not just leave because you feel really frustrated and, and hopeless about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, had, I had a client come to yeah. me in, in his, I'll, just, I'll give this quick, sorry to interrupt you, Ralph, but yes. I, I had a client come to me and his wife, gorgeous woman, wow, and about 10 years younger, came to him and said, you've got two choices. Uh, either I can take another lover or we can get a divorce. You have 30 days to decide. And the dude was floored so he comes to me and we worked together for about two months because he was, he was able to show enough progress that he got an, he got an extension. And then, um, and at, at, after a few months, she retracted the offer because what we worked, because the, the thing was, he wasn't bringing it in the bedroom. He was kind of a classic nice guy. He was a big, tall, good looking guy, but he was kind of a nice guy. And he wasn't bringing the darker aspects into the bedroom. And so that's what we worked on for two months. And he started to bring it. And lo and behold, a few months later, she retracted her very, I mean, when she made that choice for him, she, there was no question in her mind. Those were the only two choices, but he turned it around and she started to respond to his way of being. And that's, that's kind of my most fun example to quote Mm -hmm. uh, about that. Cause I think, I think a, uh, a demand or ultimatum like that would freak the hell out of pretty much most guys. I think there's a case though, to be made for. It depends on the situation. In that guy's situation, I think myself or anybody would pull him aside and say, you need to stop stop being such a wuss, and you need to man up a little bit and amplify more of your lover qualities. And, you know, you got the provider stuff down pat. It's time to, you know, dip into the other side a little bit. For some guys, I think the resolution is, um, sweetheart, what you just said there was very toxic. And yes, that's a direction. I think, I, I think your writing and mine appeals to, um, a, a subset of men who I'm trying to, uh, maybe codependent is the wrong term. It's the only one that's coming to me at the moment where it is. They are very appeasing men don't have much of a backbone. Um, yes, yeah. dear happy wife, happy life type of, of guys. And yeah. to hear, there's, there's a possible blueprint or a remedy here. 
and it involves um and I feel comfortable with it because a lot of it in their mind is kind of submissive uh in terms of my wife is doing xyz toxic behavior but hey she's a woman and it is what it is and I got to kind of live yeah. with it because that's what a strong man does we just go <laughs> and go to the other room and not deal with it and just say shoo I survived that one yeah that's a- that's not yeah. good. Um, I always tell men, you know, some men will come to me and say, my wife said this. And I'll be like, that's, it's not that bad. It sounds like a, you know, stereotypical kind of test from a woman. Let's see what you're made of type of thing. While some men say, my wife said this to me yesterday and I'll raise my eyebrows and go, oh, holy shit. Um, that's where you say, why would you say that to me? I can't imagine ever saying something like that to you. Um, yep. what's going on with you? What's up? That, cause that's really bad. What you just said, um, some really toxic stuff comes out of a mouth of a woman who feels like she's cornered and trapped in a relationship. She can't get out. She's overstressed, whatever. I think there's just as much, um, emphasis should be put on your man have boundaries. Uh, you know, Hey boss, no, I'm not coming in this weekend. Hey wife, don't talk to me that way. What's wrong with you? Um, any thoughts on that? And do you see men, a lot of men that you're talking to leaning more on the codependent, nice guy type of behavior? Oh yeah. 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 They just suck it up. They stay silent when she gets cutting. Um, as you said, go into the other room and silently steam. And then she asks him like, are you mad? And he's like, no, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. And then he spends the next 10 years with resentment leaking out of him, which Mm -hmm. is going to kill the relationship. And, you know, when your woman, our women all, you know, they all get cutting, you know, because they just blow a gasket because they can't, you know, the emotions are too much. They're emotional creatures. That's just biology. And so you're, you're, I want to teach guys how to be discerning magicians and the magician is your ability to kind of really handle any situation. So it could be like, like, you know, you're just an asshole. Like she says something like that. I don't know. And, and your response could be like, I'm an asshole. Oh, baby. Like, damn, I didn't know I was an asshole. Shit. You know, and so you, so you sort of go with the humor route where you kind of, it's the Aikido of it. You, you get a fireball and you kind of dodge it. And then, you, and then you, you direct the energy back in a playful way, or you could amp it up a notch and you could be like, you know what, baby, ouch. And then you just pause. It's one of my favorite words when my woman gets toxic is ouch. Mm. So you're not like, you can't talk to me like that. Cause that's kind of a, that's kind of a weak response. Like yeah. eh, eh, you can't, but it's just like, ouch. And then you, you sit here, I'm grounded in the earth, eye contact in connection with her. That didn't feel good. Or that you could take it up to more of a hard boundary. And it's going to sound like, you know what, baby? No. We're not going to talk to each other that way. And I'm not okay with that. And I'm not going to stay in conversation with it. So you've got to make that choice. Mm-hmm. I love you and no. Mm-hmm. So if you notice how I'm doing it, I'm putting up a pretty clear boundary, but I'm also staying in connection. You know, it's even the use of we're not going to talk to me, talk to each other that way, as opposed to like, you can't talk to me that way. It's the, I'm here. I love you. I'm, I'm in contact and not okay. Mm-hmm. So let's try this as a team, baby. That all those are very different than sucking it up like a stoic, um, getting all pissy back yourself, 
or really any other number of toxic ways that we can respond or weak ways that we can respond. So yeah, boundaries are absolutely part of this. And there's an art to how an actually powerful man can set a boundary. You know, it's not just like give her the Heisman in the face and break her nose with it. You can do it with love, but it can be very damn firm about yeah. what your boundary is and the fact of what you will not stand for. I, 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 what I'm seeing here recently in the group is that is that is the number one thing men are struggling with. Uh, my wife said this. This guy over here tells me, big deal, dude. She's a woman. Eh, so what? Well, this guy over here tells me, you better squash that now because if you give her an inch, boy, she's going to take a mile later on. Um, so, and it really is a case by case basis, understanding the tone behind it. I find a lot of guys are kind of tone deaf when it comes to this, um, <laughs> on a side, on a side note, I don't know if you've experienced this. I'm finding not a lot, uh, but more than I anticipated men telling me that they are on the spectrum, autism spectrum, and they have mm -hmm. a very difficult time navigating these little nuances of emotion and the undertones and so forth. Very, very difficult for them. And um, yep. the default for those guys seems to be just, I don't get it. I don't know if this is bad or not. Let me just pretend it didn't happen, basically. And um, Yeah, because they don't have any tools to deal with it. They don't know what yeah. to do. Yeah, it's baffling to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're on the spectrum, it's going to get a lot harder for you. And, yeah. Um, I, mean, I have a lot to say, and then I have a family member who's on the spectrum. And, oh, interesting. Uh, okay. it, it can be hobbling. Yeah, it yeah. can be hobbling. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, just curious, I noticed, um, rewinding back to what you said earlier, I believe it sounds like the, the last two women that you had relationships with have very much what you would call a, a, a masculine presence to them, very strong women. Um, do you find, and by the way, I relate to this completely, my ex-wife um, was a big professional in the healthcare field. And my now wife is a surgeon. Um, so it seems, you know, part of me says, well, I like smart women. Um, if they don't yep. have that intellect, if there's not, if I can't reach them at that level, I'm not interested. I, I've not always been the type that I never got, um, these men who are able to be with the, the dumb bimbo. Um, you know, Hey, look at yeah. her, man. I, I can't see past the dumbness or, or the, you know, that's a horrible thing to say. There has to be more there, more substance there. Well, probably yeah. if, if I sat on the psychologist couch, they may say, um, no, I th think you like a strong female presence in your life. And through introspection over the years, um, I think what I'm doing is, is I never had a strong maternal figure in my life. Um, mm -hmm. my mother is the most loving, sweetest human being in the world, but is very uh, anxious, very neurotic, and is, is not the matriarch of the family, so to speak. She's yeah. basically my kid. And, and you know, if, if you want to yeah. look at it that way, if she comes to me for advice yeah, and for therapy cool. and so forth, and that's not a very healthy dynamic. So no. I am going out in the world and, and looking for that strong female, um, person to take that role, I suppose. I hate to say I'm looking for my mother because eh, I don't want to go there. But um, have you explored that? And what is it about those women that appeals to you? Uh, hmm. I, let's see, how, how do I put this? I, look, I've been to, you know, highly ranked schools. I worked in Silicon Valley for 
pretty hot companies for 20 years. Like I, I've got a high bar for the kind of uh, intellect and engagement with the world that I want in a, in a partner. You know, otherwise I'll get bored. And that's kind of one of my greatest fears. It's like greatest fear number one is being lonely. Greatest fear number two is being bored in relationship with the person I'm, I'm connected to. And so I can't live without somebody that's got a lot of like uh, horsepower to them. Here's what I realized though, my, my not throwing any shade whatsoever, but my wife, you know, in the marriage way back then, she kind of had a really strong masculine side and she was fun and cool and all that, but she, nurturing and compassion were not, not her strong suits, like pretty big weakness. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I suffered. I didn't know that. So I was really attracted to like how awesome she seemed and awesome she was, but she missed these other things. So my current relationship, um, I discovered how much nurturing and, uh, and feminine radiance is actually essential for me to stay lit up in a relationship. And so while this woman, you know, runs her own medical practice and she's, she's got fucking direction in life. She also has the, this is awesome feminine side to her. She's radiant. She's expressive. She's receptive. She's playful. She's nurturing, knows how to take care of me. And when you combine both of those, she also sees right through me. And this is the challenge of women like this is, man, they, mm -hmm. they know us better than we know ourselves. Oh, yeah. So for me, I just like the challenge of taking that on. And when I can get her, not that I'm taking full credit for it, but when I play my part in getting to her and her little, you know, soft kitten energy, like, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I feel like a, I feel like a virile, powerful man when I can shape the relationship and shape the interaction that she'll soften into her in her soft feminine side mm -hmm. and then i mean it's awesome loving the sexuality the the play in the world is off the charts you know because that's she brings that and it's up it's i i consider it up to me to set the table to bring that out now she's got her part to play in that and she's got her own childhood wounding and and you know, I'm fortunate she takes it on and she's working on her stuff and it's a continual lifelong process Good. for her yeah. as it is for me. That uh, you, you were very similar in that regard where same thing with the ex mm -hmm. didn't have much of that feminine side, so to speak, that the soft yeah. nurturing suite was very lacking and it always hurt to be in that relationship because I hungered for that. And uh, yeah, wife number two has it in spades. Boy, she knows yeah. that. What's interesting, though, is when I talk to a lot of men, they will say they will attest to their wife having that super over the top feminine validating um, set of behaviors early on in the honeymoon stage of the relationship, um, which if you look at it from like an evolutionary or biological perspective, however you want to put it, um, yeah, I'm trying to attract a new mate and retain that new mate. Uh, what better way to do that than show all the super positive us men tend to be more masculine and more fit and more whatever. And they tend to be more feminine and soft and validating and so forth. But as the relationship goes on and if you don't steer the car, right, you go off the road and bye bye femininity, bye bye softness, bye bye everything else. Well, I've been yep. eight years now with my now wife and she's just maintained that level. And we have yep. the next, we have the next challenge in our life. Those, we just had a baby four months ago, which is a stressor. Wow. And as a, and as you know, stress, that's one thing that can, 
take that softness away pretty quickly. So it's up to us men. Absolutely. It's up to us men to lead and help Garner make her feel safe. Yep. Make her feel appreciated. At the same time, showing the yep. boundaries and allowing that softness to still bubble up when it needs to. And it's important. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I think you use the word leadership and I really think that's my take on it as well. It's like, look, if she's, if she's not open sexually and she's kind of irritable and just in general kind of low energy, like you can either bitch about it or you can do something about it. And something is leading the two of you so maybe it's leading you by looking up a therapist and, and saying, I've got an appointment for us next Tuesday and we're going to go into therapy. I mean, it could be like that, or it could be, you know what, baby, you've been so stressed lately. I booked you a day at the spa or I booked us a day at the spa, you know, and nope, no questions asked. Just be ready by 9 a.m. and I'll, I'll get you there. And so that's leadership right there. And it, it could be smaller things. You don't have to treat her to things, but it, it, it just you taking the lead and setting some structure to bring, you know, either address dysfunction or bring more fun into this. And a lot of guys sort of just sit around and wait for, for her to plan the fun. That's, that's what I've seen. Um, yeah, I, I heard a guy the other day, actually, it wasn't the other day. It's, it was a while back, but um, he's just like, yeah, you know, in my marriage, I just kind of, I just stay in the background and let her tell me what to do. And I just, I was like, oh, dude. And of course I don't say anything because I'm not his coach. Um, but it's, it was, it was, it's, it was illustrative because it's the attitude a lot of guys take. So yep. yeah, if, if she's, if you're, if you're complaining that she's not feeling as sexual as she used to sexual leadership, there's a whole chapter in the book on this and you bring the leadership back into the bedroom. You learn how to lead her into her own pleasure. And uh, I mean, this is one of my favorite topics to talk about. But guys, quit bitching if things aren't as exciting as they used to be. Change it. Take the lead. That's mm -hmm. what we're talking about here. Yeah, there is a um, – the predominant thought amongst a lot of men is – what do they say? There's a joke about um, – oh, I can't remember how it goes. That, that there's, there's some tried and true uh, item out there that will – but that will for sure lower the libido of a woman. And I, I can't remember the punchline is, is that it's wedding cake. So that uh, as soon as a woman commits to you, she's done. She doesn't have to put in the effort anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have, that is a stressor and that is introducing a level of domesticity and comfort and familiarity that, yeah, may in fact lower libido. And, you know, you don't have that new relationship energy anymore, but there, there's a growing contingent of men that are basically saying, GS, what you're talking about is work. And damn it, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, I already go to work 60 hours a week. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, I should walk in the door and my wife should drop to her knees and, you know, do whatever right there in the kitchen counter as far as I'm concerned. And um, yeah. just by virtue of me being just this awesome provider, just by virtue of being her husband. Yeah. Uh, she should respect yeah. that. She should perform sexually. She should do all these other things. And there is talk about this growing contingent of men with that attitude. They they take it the next step, which is I don't know if you're familiar with this group called uh, MGTOW. M G T O W. No. Oh wow. Well, I just introduced. I just you're going to go down a rabbit hole if you go research this later. Um, the, the acronym means men going their own way. It's this loosely organized group of men online that have basically said 
well, we've either been hurt by women badly in relationships, or we've never been able to crack the code and get into a relationship. Yeah. And you yeah. know, and you know what? F relationships. I'm out. Yeah. 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 And, and what's sad is that basically society has said, all right, that's cool. Which pisses them off even more because these men, <laughs> <laughs> because basically the men are like, uh, we're the key that holds society together and we're bowing out of this whole game. We're done. And I run into these guys a lot because what we're talking, what I'm talking about, what you're talking about is work. And they just kind of laugh and go, no, I, I don't, I don't see the reason to put in the work. Um, the juice ain't worth the squeeze as they say. Yeah. Um, and again, society as a whole has said, that's cool. If you want to be a, a single bachelor for life, have at it. But the fact that yeah. these men complain so much is illustrative of the fact that um, yeah. we all still hunger for that pair bonding, that partnership, going through life with somebody. And for a lot of these yeah. men to hear this grand epiphany, if you will, of, wait, it takes work? Wait, there's this masculine yeah. feminine? It's such a mind F for them that a lot of them are like, mm, yeah. no, I'm out. Any thoughts on that or, or a message to those men? Yeah, I mean, you know, the inclination to, for, I'm just talking about like an impulse that arose in me, like there's that impulse to like mock a person like that. But actually what comes up really more from a deeper place is compassion for a guy that feels like they really need to bow out. And in the, the, they're probably right in a certain way that the juice that they've experienced is not worth the squeeze. But you can get better at extracting more juice. And, I, and you know, to guys like that, I would say, look, I have compassion for you. It can be better. You can be more successful in relationship. And look, I'm just resting on biological imperatives. Like, as you said, we like to pair bond. And even if it got crappy and we've decided to bow out, it, it's still good to pair bond if you can do it successfully. So guys like that, I say, great, come to me, read my book, come to me for coaching and I can help you I mean, you can too, Ralph. Like guys like us, we can help these guys learn how to get more juice out of the squeeze, learn to be more successful in relationship. And this is important in society, you know, like, cause this is a little bit like incels, you know, involuntary celibate, I yeah. think is what mm -hmm. it's called. Yeah. And, th but those are referring to like young kids. So like these kids are starting early to bow out because they just feel so yeah. hobbled relationally. And, you know, this is where the worst behavior comes up. When you feel lonely, you, you're either going to, you know, drink a lot or eat yeah. a lot of sugar or just play f video games, or it can go different ways where you're, you're committing violent acts. Yeah, they strike out. Mm -hmm. because you, yeah, because you've kind of like really uh, like fermented in the darkness of your own, yeah. their own world. You've created yourself. So I just say to these guys, I've got compassion for you. It can be better. There's resources out there like the two of us and many others who can help you, please tap into those resources. Things can be better. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that we stress that um, a lot of that work for your incel type of guy or whoever it may be, um, a lot of it is working on you and what's between the ears up here. Um, a lot yeah. of these men are so hungry for a relationship because basically, let's be honest, society as a whole has told them a, a relationship one-on-one -on -one with somebody forever is the pinnacle. It's the, the, that's it. That's the Shangri-La of everything. And if you don't achieve that, what, a, what kind of loser are you? Um, 
So when they get a taste of that, shame around it. yeah. So when they get a taste of that, such as this girl finally gave me attention and yes, she may be a very toxic person and she may have a lot of bad things going on, but finally I'm getting attention and they will jump right into a very toxic relationship and so forth. Men who yeah. have their head screwed Put on correctly. Yeah. Men who have their head screwed on correctly know when to say no. They know when to recognize red flags and say, this isn't relationship material. Thanks, but no thanks. But a lot of those men don't. And so they go from your incel type to your more MGTOWy type, or a lot of weird internet buzzwords we're saying here. Um, but it's sad. And um, unfortunately, it's uh, happening more and more. And thank, thank you, internet. They're all talking to each other. And they're all comparing notes. And the notes that yeah. they're comparing isn't, hey, guys, how can we get better? The notes are, this really sucks, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And it's nothing but doom and gloom from here on out. That's right. We have no hope. No, yeah. we don't. And it just amplifies and amplifies. Yeah. And to those guys listening, that if you identify with that at all, there's hope. This isn't a hopeless thing. Um, there is a there's a 400-pound man out there somewhere who is in a very happy, fulfilling relationship with a woman. And they're going to be married for decades. And you're going to look at him and go, him? Some guys look at a very superficial level like that. He's not wealthy. Look at him. What does he have? He just got lucky. No, there's something to be learned from that guy and other guys like him. Um, you know, it kind of goes with business. You'll have a lot of people when you're an entrepreneurial person will tell you, why bother? It's just a lost cause. Don't, don't start your own business. Go get a job somewhere. Dude, 80% of businesses fail. Forget it. Yeah, but somebody's making it work. What what do they have that I don't have? That's the attitude I put into it. What that guy's got that guy's where I want to be. What's he doing? I'm gonna go ask him. I'm gonna go learn from him and learn from who he learned from. Same type of thing with relationships. Right now there's some old couple that's in their eighties and they've been playing grab ass and they've been crazy about each other for decades. And they've had a, a happy, healthy sexual relationship and they are crazy about each other. They have something. Mm -hmm. Learn from it. And I have a feeling mm -hmm. if you sat them down and dissected what do you have that these people don't have, it's probably along the lines of your teachings. There's probably very much a masculine feminine. They have their roles. He may lead, setting the tone and so forth, um, which kind of leads into a next line of question I have where how much pushback are you getting, if any at all, from people that this is kind of an antiquated Neanderthal, very politically incorrect way of looking at relationships? Do you get much of that? Yeah. Because I know I do. You know, I really don't. I, I really don't. I, I thought I would. I thought all the women would get upset. It's actually the women who are most enthusiastic about the work. Um, <laughs> and, and I'm careful to to really choose my words carefully. And, and, you know, there's nothing like when we say the feminine, we're not saying that women are supposed to be like this. We're saying that's what feminine energy looks like. We all have a mix. And, and then I express like, and this is what I prefer. It's just my opinion, but it's what I like. And I think I'm representative of a lot of guys. So there's, there's nothing compulsory about how the woman should be or the man should be here. Um, but I, man, I've, I've, I've experienced so much enthusiasm from the women who have seen the work or been exposed to the work. And a lot of them reach out and say, thank you. Thank you. They either say, thank you. I'm going to, how do I get my husband to read this? Um, 
Or they say, thank you for giving me the words for what I always craved, but didn't know how to put into words. I now have an understanding. So women who are dating will, will often now be able to go out and, and know what they're looking for and be able to search for it more effectively. Or in relationship, they now know how to express their, their longing, their deepest longing in relationship to their partner. Mm -hmm. um, so surprisingly, I haven't hit a lot of that backlash. And, uh, you know, it's great because the goal here is for people to have more fulfilling relationships. And we don't want to get caught in anybody's, you know, battle in their mind about, you know, preconceived notions about when we talk about masculine, that it must be toxic, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's not get into that. Let's take a fresher look at this. And I, so far, I've been fortunate enough. I'm sure it won't last forever. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, I, um, you and I spoke to a, um, a lady by the name of Suzanne Venker, who is a... Um, mm -hmm very conservative uh, podcast host and author, and she gets much of the same. And she talks about the polarity quite a bit, as, as most yeah. do in the, uh, don't want to get into politics, but those, uh, I tend to also attract those who come from a, a, a more conservative background. And I think mm -hmm. it's, uh, I don't consider myself a conservative. I'm one of those rare people that is like, eh, I don't like labels, probably right down the middle. If you had to label me, um, you know, call me crazy. I see positives and negatives on both sides. But um, I think the reason that I attract more of the conservative types is because um, they tend to be more open to the idea of roles, of the polarization, of whatever. And mm -hmm. I think yeah. th I think that's kind of where the leftists have, have lost themselves is that they say equal, equal, equal. Like, <laughs> not necessarily. Um, because when you say not equal, it means, well, one must be worse than the other. No, no, it just means that we're just wired differently. And let's start from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like different, but equal. I mean, we're we're equal, equal in terms of the validity of our needs, but we're different. We, we operate differently. And, and anybody who says otherwise, I mean, actually, I probably should refine that. Masculine energies and feminine energies are different. There yeah. should be no dispute about that. Each of us is a mix of masculine and feminine energy. There really shouldn't be any dispute about that. Now, the conjecture I'd say is, I think men in general have a higher percentage of masculine, you know, like, I don't think that's a stretch. And so really just that three-part statement kind of justifies what we're talking about here is we're different, but we're equally valid, you know? And, mm -hmm. and I mean, I can tell you this. In my book, I talk about having directionality. And I even talk about domination. I mean, if you met my woman, you know, this is a powerful fucking woman. Like, there's no way I'm steamrolling her. Now, I can be the magician and really and really um, put her into very cooey states and get her, put her into a very surrendered open state. Mm -hmm. But I don't steamroll her. She's powerful. So anybody that thinks this is about steamrolling is, is really projecting their own wounds onto what we're talking about here. Yep. There you go. Very well put. The book, again, let's yeah. put it out there. The book name, again, is The Masculine in Relationship, A Blueprint for Inspiring Trust, Lust, and Devotion of a Strong Woman. Available Amazon. Is it also um, other retailers as well, I assume? Just Amazon, actually. Just Amazon for now. Okay. And here's the big question, though. Is there an audio book coming? Because everyone asks me that. <laughs> Nobody ever asked me that. No? <laughs> uh, there will be. Well, good, good. Do so let me... I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll share what I said to you earlier before we started recording was uh, I'm working to get this in this online embodiment course out. And I wish we'd had time to talk about that, Ralph, a daily embodiment practice, you know, to the guys out there, 
a daily embodiment practice is the number one thing that you can do to build your masculine core. And I could go on and on about that, but I've got an, an online course of, of the art of embodiment. It's in beta form, so it's almost done, but it, you can get it on my website for oh, a cool. discount until okay. I launch it in a few months. And, and the website is? Go to that, gsyoungblood.com. gsyoungblood.com. Again, coolest name in the yeah. business. And Masculine in Relationship <laughs> is the book. Any plans for additional books? Yes. Well, the, the, so the online course I'm working on now will be done in about six weeks, and I'll launch it then but you can buy it the beta form now. And then I'm taking the, the handbook and I'm gonna blow it up a little bit and turn that into a book that I'll publish on Amazon next. And that'll happen here in the late winter. Okay. And then after that is the audible book. Very cool. To answer, to answer your earlier question. Very cool. Do you plan so on doing the, the uh, narration? Do you plan on doing the narration yourself? What's that? I'm gonna do it myself. Very yeah. cool, very cool. That's the way to do it. Somebody else reads it for you, it never yeah. comes out quite right, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you will be attending our uh, DSO fraternity members meeting, which we call BroFest, yep. coming up in uh, April of 2022 in Austin, Texas. So we're looking forward to having you and presenting to the gentlemen there. And they're all super excited about meeting the GS Youngblood. How does it feel to be a uh, somewhat of a celebrity? I don't get wrapped up in it. I I, I love helping guys. That actually yeah. gives me a really deep feeling. Um, and as much as I want to help people, I am going to put in a shameless plug, please. which to your audience is, guys, if you've read the book, please do an Amazon review. They really help yeah. me. Yes. So do, do a yes. written review with a write-up and then also click the helpful button on some of the other good ones. Yes. Um, to being transparent, I've got like one bad review and it's somehow Amazon insists on putting it first. So I'm, I'm well, trying to address that, of course. It, it's <laughs> in the world of Amazon reviews. If it's negative, people will click helpful. I don't know why. But they will. Yeah, it could be I the know. best product in the whole yep. universe, but helpful, help. Yeah, I get the same thing. If you go to my Audible, yeah. like the first one you see, you're like, huh? And then after that, in my Audible ranking, I think it's 4.8 out of 5 total. But the first one they show is that old yeah. one star deal, which is the way it is. Yep. What can you do? What can you do? That's right. GS Youngblood, thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. Hey, it's my pleasure. And I'm really looking forward to April in Austin. All righty. Very good. We look forward to it, too. Have a good one, buddy. Thank you. If you're listening to this, you're probably a guy who is interested in self-improvement. You probably consume a lot of information, like these podcasts, YouTube videos, audiobooks, courses, everything you can to learn more and help you become the best man that you can be. And if you're like a lot of men, there's something still missing. Well, I can tell you what that missing thing probably is. Quality time with other men that are on the same mission as you. Some of you probably have casual relationships with your fellow soccer dads or the occasional beer with guys from the neighborhood, but none of them seem to be on the same page as you. Am I right? They seem content with their shitty marriages, their shitty jobs, and their expanding waistlines. They have all but given up. You find yourself talking to them about the same football teams, listening to their stories about their subpar home life, and you're getting to the point where you dread hanging around them. Well, the good news is that we have assembled a group of men just like you. We call our group the DSO Fraternity. We have live Zoom meetings that are hosted by yours truly, along with the other members of the DSO team. We have a very active private discussion forum, a Discord server for our lifetime members, a members-only podcast, 
Access to my books in audiobook and PDF format at no extra charge. Discounts on one-on-one coaching with myself and other members of the team. Discounts on our video courses and access to our in-person gatherings. We have met in Nashville, Tennessee, Austin, Texas, Las Vegas, Australia, Amsterdam, and soon in New Orleans. So check it out, the DSO Fraternity at dsofraternity.com. We have monthly, annual, and lifetime membership options available. I think you will find our group is the missing piece of the puzzle that you have been looking for.